We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Colm Kelly here, the executive producer of the Road of His Radio Podcast Network and co-host of the Road of His Overtime Podcast, along with the phenomenal Sean Siegel. The wait is over, the NFL season is here, and there's no better time than the present to sign up for a Road of His NFL Pass. You'll get access to all of our content, all of our tools, and everything you need to help you for that in-season success. As a loyal podcast listener, you can get yourself a 10% discount to a Road of His NFL Pass just by adding the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. Go to rotaviz.com forward slash podcast for more information. Let's go get those championships. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the College to Canton podcast, the perfect show for any and every college football and NFL fan. I'm your host, Travis May, and you can find me on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M. And I'm joined by my co-host today, Stefan Leco. You can find him at Stefan Leco. That's L-A-K-O on Twitter. And if you're joining us for the, for the first time, College to Canton is a show basically just about the journey of the best football players from beginning to end in their careers. Uh, From the days when they were just a recruit throughout college, throughout their early NFL career, all the way to the debate as to whether they should be in the Hall of Fame or not. And we always talk some fantasy football since this is a Road of His Radio podcast, but we always make sure to dive into some real college football and NFL analysis too. And that's exactly what we're going to do right now, kicking things off. I'm talking about a bunch of these players in college football who are transferring to new locations uh, that could mean great things or terrible things uh, for their shot at an NFL future. Um, and not only that, but what it means for their college team, what it means for your fantasy teams today. But uh, before we do, Stapon, thanks for joining me again, and uh, uh, good to see you. Yeah, it's uh, it's always fun. Uh, you texted me like, "Hey, we 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 recording tonight." I was like, "Absolutely! Like, let's do it. Let's <laughs> let's talk some football." Uh, last week we uh, we talked a little bit about the Super Bowl, and I got I, know, I was fifty percent, so you know, a nice losing day, taking the minus four, <laughs> but taking the under. Um, but yeah, I, that was a great game, right? Like, I had so much fun watching that game. Yeah, Super Bowl. I, I, I so many good reasons for the Rams to want to win. I mean, like Stafford to Donald to Whitworth. Uh, just it's just fun. I mean, like the storylines, even even McVay just having the early career success that he's had at his age is just incredible. 
just a lot of fun there. And, and really OBJ getting one, like after being completely wasted uh, and, and getting injured mid game. Like there's just so many different storylines there. Yeah. Something I never thought I'd say is like, Oh, I actually kind of felt bad for OBJ, <laughs> you know, yeah. like he yeah. was balling out. And then, you know, that injury, um, yeah, it was a real bummer. I also had the uh, over 64 on him and mm-hmm. he was at like 52 uh, when the injury <laughs> oh, happened. No, like, yeah. I was like, man, he was going to get it so easily. Oh yeah. But... yeah he was going to coast to that. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. But hey, and I, I had it in a lot of parlays too. I'm not bitter. I'm not angry. I shouldn't parlay. It's my own damn. You sound like you might be. You sound like you might be a little bit. I hit a plus 1000 bet. So I was okay. Oh, well, there we go. That, that covers yeah. an abundance yeah. of losses elsewhere. So <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, that's enough bet talk for now. Uh, we can yes. lament that offline <laughs> for sure. But uh, just jumping right into it because the, you know, with name image likeness, the one-time transfer rule coming into play last year, uh, we saw the beginning of the, the just huge wave of transfers last year, but it was just not not quite what it is this year. We knew it was coming. Uh, even in Debbie fantasy football, this has been something we've, we've been talking about for a few years. Like this was on the table. This was coming. We didn't know when. And there's like no rules now. It's the wild, wild west. And uh, top tier programs are losing quarterbacks and gaining quarterbacks and trading quarterbacks. And uh, it's just, it makes it super fun because it's February and we have a lot to talk about. Like right. it's not even the NFL combine yet. And we already have plenty of goodness to talk about as it pertains to not so distant future draft classes uh, full of quarterbacks. That we're going to be discussing on this episode. And, and it's funny, like transfer quarterbacks were already hitting at a higher rate than we'd seen in like maybe a decade or two decades ago. Like certain transfer quarterbacks like that we think of that have been long time NFL players like Cam Newton, like he was one notable, you know, from Florida, Auburn, from Florida to Auburn. Um, you know, Joe Burrow was a big one from Ohio State to LSU. Um, like and there, there have been some recent examples of hits uh, and we've been seeing that trend towards more in recent years, but Man, like the guys that we're going to talk to, talk to, that would, that would be fun. Talk about, yeah. <laughs> like all of them could get drafted. Um, yeah. So I, it's just nuts. Yeah. And I think too, like, and I, I think this probably is you know, the most obvious thing I'm going to say all, all day. Um, but I think it's interesting in the past quarterbacks, tra- a quarterback transferring meant that there was a problem. Like there was going to be a question mark around them. Cam Newton, it was a scandal with like money and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Joe Burrow, like you mentioned, like he... He was a uh, the third stringer. Like, there's all these stories, uh, but now it's it's a different world. Like, we're like some of the first guys we're talking about. They're not transferring because they didn't have a starting job. <laughs> they're transferring because they either want to play with a different coach or you know, like it's just an interesting situation where um, I mean, you just look at all the change that happened at USC just with like a new coach Lincoln Riley showing up and and, yeah. and what that meant for that program. And I don't think there's like a whole lot of question marks about these guys that we didn't have before, you know, like, yeah. sure. Like some of these guys, like Kadon Slovis, like we have question marks about him, but it's not because he's transferring. Whereas in the past, a transfer was like, a, oh crap, why did he transfer? Maybe yeah. we should be nervous. Yeah. But even like recent examples, like Jalen Hurts, like he was just, it was to his time. So he got out and got, got a really sweet spot, but that was like, we thought he was kind of regressing and then he just mm-hmm. absolutely went off in that new spot. And then Kyler Murray didn't ever do anything before he got to Oklahoma. And then he went off. Uh, so it's just, yeah, it, it's, it's been cool to see 
that uptick in success and guys that uh, looked like they might be long gone, look like they might not have a chance now having a chance. Uh, but some of these guys, <laughs> Caleb Williams, the first one we're going to talk about, I mean, there's almost no question about his talent level right. um, and the circumstances uh, of his transfer fit your description perfectly. Like there's not a question mark with him. Like he just followed the guy who believed in him, who actually gave him the starting job at Oklahoma, who recruited him. Um, right. He was committed to Lincoln Riley and he's committed to, I mean, he and his dad have made this clear since, I don't know, since he was a junior in high school. Like, Hey, we're going to make the decision uh, that gets us closer to being the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. Nothing else matters. And I, I like that clarity. I like that drive for Caleb Williams. And I think he's on that trajectory really at this point, uh, posting the season that he did at Oklahoma and now goes to USC to join Lincoln Riley. Yes, that, that offensive line has some questions. <laughs> it wasn't perfect last year, but they brought in some playmakers at, at USC. One I of thought you were going to say, but they Oklahoma. play in the Pac-12, so it's okay. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I mean, I could just say that too. It's easier competition. <laughs> but uh, seriously, they're bringing over one of his favorite receiving uh, options from last year, Mario Williams, uh, bringing in a couple other transfers, including Jerry Rice's son bringing in a stellar recruiting class, including CJ Williams. We talked about them a little bit before, but man, Caleb Williams, do you think there's any doubt in your mind that this situation, even though it's imperfect uh, in, in year one of this transfer, year two of Caleb Williams' career, uh, do you think this hurts his stock at all? Like, do you, do you think there's a slow start at USC? I think it's an interesting question. And I, I was, as you were talking about that story, like I was wondering, like, because I hadn't really thought about it in this, in these terms, did he improve his chances of being the number one quarterback? And um, with a new head coach, like with Brent Venables taking over at Oklahoma, a defensive-minded guy, I think he probably made the right choice to leave Oklahoma. I don't know if I would have selected USC other than the Lincoln-Riley factor, and I think ultimately mm -hmm. that's why he did choose that. And I, I do think he set himself up to be in a better spot long-term. Uh, I, I think, like you said, that offensive line – could be a problem, but I'm excited to see. I mean, you mentioned some of the wide receivers they've brought over, but they have Travis Dye there now too. Like Oregon's back that, you know, once some injuries took place in that backfield, dude's electric. Like he can do absolutely everything. We've seen him in the passing game. We've talked about all that. So I anticipate a lot of like three-step drop passes that are going to set him up for success where he's not going to have to rely on an offensive line protecting him super long. And I, I think – I think it's going to translate well to the Pac-12. So I think I think Caleb Williams has, has put himself in a really, really good uh, position. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree. And I mean, we hinted at this or talked through this a little bit, um, uh, either on the last episode or the, one, or the one before, that he already had, uh, from an analytical perspective, like a fantastic year one, uh, like a 95th percentile level analytical passing profile. Uh, and not to mention, uh, how incredible of a deep uh, deep threat, dual threat he is as well with his legs. Mm, yeah. uh, so, man, like he's he seems like one of the surest sure things we've ever seen at the quarterback position coming off of a freshman year. Um, there have been a couple guys who have regressed coming off of almost as good a season in, as a freshman, but really he just posted basically the, the best freshman season of all time, regardless of of the level of competition, what we can, we can nitpick the level of defenses he played for like a five week stretch there in the middle of the year. But Caleb Williams just 
I don't have many questions at this point. I think he's going to smash and he's going to be immediately successful. He might have a couple bumps against some tough defenses, you know, like the two tough defenses that they'll play per year. Uh, but uh, really, the, uh, he's going to be a first round pick at this point. There's almost no doubt about it. Yeah, I yeah, totally agree. And I think uh, I had a question for you about this next guy on the le- list here. Um, do you think just kind of transitioning from, you know, talking about Oklahoma quarterbacks, if Spencer Rattler knew Caleb was leaving, do you think he would have stuck around? Because he took off pretty early in the process. And uh, I wonder if uh, if things would have been different had he known what was going to transpire. What do you think? I think he was just done with Oklahoma. I think that he probably felt completely burned. I mean, fans, I mean, you, you remember when they, like fans were, they were chanting, chanting off the field. for Caleb yeah. Williams. Like, and it was like week two or something dumb. It was like Spencer Rattler had just killed it the year year before uh, and the year before that. Uh, he had been a little bit more inconsistent, I guess, at times in, in year two, whatever. Uh, but man, like, just seemed yeah, they, really stupid. Just flat out stupid of the Oklahoma fans. I mean, in retrospect, the fact that Caleb Williams succeeded, that's great. But man... They were just super impatient. And the way that they've overreacted and just been babies about the whole situation with Lincoln Riley leaving, it just shows, shows the, I don't know, collective immaturity and, and just ignorance <laughs> of uh, many Oklahoma fans. I know that there are some exceptions. I, I have some really uh, well-thought-out, aware Oklahoma fans that are not being babies about the whole Riley situation or, or Caleb Williams or Rattler, and that's great. But, man, like just – just a flat out embarrassing display by most of the fans uh, there at Oklahoma. So yeah, if I were Rattler, I would be absolutely done. Uh, but I mean, plus, I mean, he actually had a relationship with Shane Beamer anyway. So uh, Beamer had been there. Um, I think he was actually even a part of the, I guess the recruiting that got Rattler mm-hmm. there. So yeah, it, it made sense just relationally that he would end up at, at South Carolina, but it seems kind of weird because South Carolina has so many questions uh, skill position wise. So that, that, that's the, the, the biggest question is he, he's going to have a major downgrade at virtually every position that Except would help for him tight succeed. end. Cause Stogner came over with him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> it's the same, I guess, but <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. No, I was being sarcastic. But, yeah. I, I was curious what your thoughts were on him um, selecting that program because to me, um, I mean, this time last year, he was in the conversation as one of the top Debbie assets um, that you would want to acquire. And now, I mean, do you think he has a, a shot at being a first round pick? Like, do you think it's a given he's a first round pick? Do you think everything hinges on this upcoming season? Well, what are your thoughts? And, and if that's the case, uh, what likelihood of success do you think there is given the fact that like, not only does he have, you know, a downgrade in talent around him, but it's most likely most games an upgrade in competition uh, being in the SEC. Yeah, but I think he's going to have a, a great chance to prove that he can still make something, uh, even when he doesn't have any help around him. Kind of like the Sam Howell situation last year. Th- that was an impossible task. Sam Howell was going to have to do everything, and it was not going to work. Uh, I... The, looking back on it, the, the under on their betting line, it was like, I don't know, I think it was nine, nine and a half wins or something, maybe 10 wins or something. Yeah, it was, it was really high. And considering all that they lost, 
it was pretty much a no-brainer that that was going to go under, regardless of how good Sam Howell was. Uh, but I think Sam Howell still looked good and, and really looked even better at times because he was doing every single thing for that offense. And I think Rattler could, could be doing the same this year and against tough competition. And if he's you know above average this year as a quarterback in the SEC and he can still spin it on some big throws, uh, I think the NFL is going to take a look at him and go, yeah, that, that that's still a first-round talent. I mean, like, just take – it's a little bit different because obviously Malik Willis this year has some incredible mobility, and he's got that that, uh, that arm strength. But, man, he's got a really ugly profile uh, by comparison to normal, like, first-round quarterbacks. Right. Uh, throws a lot of picks. And so he's got some warts there, uh, and Rattler's going to have some warts on his profile, but uh, the upside is still very much in the first-round kind of conversation. So I, I think, you know, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, no-brainer first-round picks next year. Outside of that, though, there's there's a huge – gap just waiting to be filled by somebody else and we've seen more and more quarterbacks going early like what five quarterbacks in the first round last year we're gonna see you know maybe four ish this year there's gonna be some other guys that step up and rattler could be one of them yeah i like the thought of that um i don't know uh i i kind of felt bad for spencer rattler this year but man he was so annoying on that show that like i don't necessarily <laughs> root for him to succeed so yeah uh but that's a that's neither here nor there. Uh, this yeah. next guy, oh, go ahead. Maybe, you know, that was in high school, so maybe he's grown up some since. Yeah, then. it's so unfair. Point. I was a punk in high school, so. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Um, so this next guy, uh, we've never really seen play before. I think I saw him snap the ball and take a knee or hand it off once or twice this <laughs> yeah. year. Um, but uh, Texas has a new quarterback, and everyone's wondering, like is Texas back. And of course, we're talking about Quinn Ewers here. Um, I'm excited for what this means for Texas. I'm excited that Quinn Ewers gets a chance to to start now, but it's hard to know what this actually means uh, from because we've never seen him play. Like we've never seen him play and um, the there's so much hype built up around it. But what does that mean? Like we, we've seen hype around a lot of other players before too that haven't panned out. Yeah, but I think more and more we're getting a lot better at this whole quarterback projection thing. You know, I think in the early 2000s, if you look at the recruiting services and the, and the top quarterbacks uh, that were assigned five-star ratings or even top-tier four-star ratings, uh, a lot more missed back then. And I don't have the exact percentages right in front of me, but I've done a lot of work uh, and I have a database that includes every single recruit dating back to 2002 and their respective draft capital ever since. And, and the services are getting a lot more accurate. We, we know what these players are because they're in quarterback camps from age 12 on. Like, <laughs> it's it's absurd. Like, the top-tier guys have been in the know, um, like, within recruiting circles for three, four years before they even ever play a snap in college. And so, like, we knew, yeah, Trevor Lawrence is going to be a first-round pick. We knew, yeah, Justin Fields was going to be a first-round pick. And we knew that three years in advance. And, like, we're gonna we see that more and more and more and these top kind of like 25 overall kind of players uh they they see first round draft capital quite often like at every single position uh and i mean uh, other guys like a recent hits uh like Tua Tagovailoa. you know he was a five-star guy uh, even like davis mills who had an imperfect college career he still got day two draft capital and he was a top tier 
quarterback. I, we, we've seen a bunch of these guys hit at least get day two capital, if not round one capital. And Quinn Ewers is like the highest rated quarterback prospect ever. <laughs> like he's on the Trevor Lawrence level of, of talent and upside. And so I think I, I don't really have a whole lot of questions, especially going into an offensive scheme with Steve Sarkeesian, really setting him up to succeed with, as we talked about last week, the best true freshman wide receiver of all time to throw to and a bunch of other fast playmakers as well. So they have a ton of speed, a fantastic running back. They brought in the best offensive line class in the country. And Quinn Ewers, we've known he was going to be a first round pick for a couple of years now, and he's going to coast that two years from now. It's just so weird. Uh, <laughs> just how this whole thing played out. And uh, with him leaving high school early, going to Ohio state where we knew he'd have to sit for a long time. Uh, and maybe a lot of people were saying this, but at the time I was so confused and now looking back, it's like, Oh yeah, of course he did that to, yeah. then to transfer. You got to secure Texas. the bag, man. You know? got to get that money. Yeah. Um, but I don't remember anyone saying, Oh, you know, he's going to transfer next year. Uh, so um, yeah. So I guess I was still kind of surprised by it. And again, it just goes to show like what we were talking about at the top of the show. Like these, these players are, uh, looking at this very differently. They're, they're making business decisions from, mm -hmm. from their senior year of high school. And uh, that makes a lot of sense when you ha yeah. have the earning, earning potential that these guys have. So yeah. it makes sense, but we have to start looking at uh, recruiting and the transfer portal in a much different way. And we know that already. Yeah. And we're going to see uh, a ton more reclassifications and for listeners that aren't familiar with that um, guys like Quinn Ewers that when they're juniors in high school, they decide, hey, look, I'm only a few credits away from like the base level core 40 minimum to graduate high school, whatever it is. And so they just get those last couple classes figured out so that they're ready for, by the fall. Um, and they're going to leave high school a full year early and uh, be playing either be playing as true freshmen or securing their name image likeness deal as true freshmen because right. that is that is, they're eligible to do so in several different states under the age of 18. Texas is not one of those states. That's why Quinn Ewers left the state. <laughs> yes. uh, but California is one of those states. Ohio is one of those states. A few other southern states have the eligibility to get that name, image, likeness money uh, before they're you know even 18. So you're going to see top-tier athletes, and we're already seeing it more um, on the defensive side of the ball, but top-tier quarterbacks, I mean, hey, that's one less year I have to waste my life uh as i mean that's really what it's going to feel like by comparison uh, on a college roster right because like, it's not even like they're anxious to get to college they're anxious to get to the nfl yeah it just <laughs> it, it shaves a year off they're one year closer to playing in the nfl because the rule is three years from the date of your graduation from your high school institute like whatever that is like if you just do it early cool you can get to the league your age is irrelevant as long as you right. graduated some kind of high school situation and so that's going to be fun to see like more and more of these guys just like, oh, hey, I'm just going to go and get to the NFL faster. And, and I think we're going to see a lot of weird situations where, and this might leak into other positions too, which might mess with how we look at, you know, uh, production profiles and such. But guys just intentionally going, look, I'm just going to redshirt. Uh, my body is not quite ready. Maybe, maybe I'm not, maybe there's somebody ahead of me that I know is going to be gone next year. Um, and so I'm just going to basically redshirt or basically just kind of groom myself into this role, not break out as a first year guy, and then really mm -hmm. only have two full years of production and, and then they're gone. Uh, and, right. and so I think yours is going to be the best example of what the future of college football is going to look like 
at the position. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And didn't they also have a running back commit to them last year who did the same thing? Blue, what's his name? I don't remember. So Jaden Blue did. Um, he basically just did took off. Did he transfer off. though? No. So Jaden, no. He, so he is actually a part of this class, but he did actually just sit out, which yeah. is weird. Like he just That's sat right. out his his final year of high school. He did. So he didn't reclassify. He just sat out. That's right. Yeah. He uh-huh. basically. Yeah. And I don't think he was in a place where he could have. Otherwise, I think he would have. But he was basically like, I'm already committed. I know I'm going to Texas. Like, why would I just put another 250 yeah. carries on my body and, and risk getting hurt? knowing I get to go to Texas. Right. So, yeah. So, hey, we're going <laughs> to So, we, I mean, we see these guys sitting out whole years of college. We were already seeing players sit out entire years of high school. Like these top-tier recruits, like and Blue was like a consensus top 5 running back in his recruiting class. Now, he dropped a little bit for no reason at all, by the way, but the services right. do that because he's sit, taking a year off of football, One extra but he's still the same mark. same Yeah, exactly. An extra question mark, but it's not really because he's a running back. Right. And he's just too quick athlete. <laughs> yeah but yeah anyway we get that's a whole that's a whole different podcast i I think i said that like four times last time but there's so many different topics we could dive into and and just how the game and the process of getting to the nfl is changing for these players it's just it's crazy oh yeah absolutely and uh and (laughs) this is the newest thing and i'm sure there'll be reiterations of it uh today we had some pretty big news drop um, Jaden Daniels uh, declared that he was uh, entering the portal. And right after that, there was all these videos on Twitter showing like his teammates kind of uh, not caring so much that he was leaving, I guess, is a nice yeah, way like to cleaning it. out his locker. One dude said yeah. Yeah, that he sucked anyway. Like what a poisonous organization. Like mm-hmm. you got all those freaking recruiting violations you got them. They're just throwing random assistants under the bus and people losing their jobs. Like yeah. the entire place is, is going to be cleaned out. That they, they couldn't crack was such a highly longer. respected dude too. Uh, yeah. No longer. Like they couldn't no long, crack yeah, the was, top was. 100 in <laughs> recruiting this year because it's just such a, a joke of an organization. Like they're going to have to blow the whole thing up and start over. Like it, it's, yeah. it's, it's terrible. They, Arizona has been bad over the last few years. They're about to trade places. Uh, mm-hmm. With Arizona State, Arizona is going to be good, and uh, Arizona is going to be great, maybe. And Arizona State is going to be the bottom of the Pac-12 for the next five plus years. Yeah, I mean, can't argue, can't argue with that. Uh, where do you, where do you think Jaden Daniels lands, and uh, does it matter that much to you? Or let me rephrase it, because of course it does. Um, mm-hmm. What would be, what would be a some characteristics of a location that would be uh, a huge red flag. I think last season was already a bit of a red flag for him, but um, yeah. Like what, what are you hoping takes place? What would be um, a situation that would just be like, okay, yeah, now he's probably done for NFL purposes. So what's funny is, and, and this math is, I'm not saying that this is definitely going to happen with Jaden Daniels, uh, but of the FBS players that go into the transfer portal, only around 40% of them even land at another FBS level school. Mm-hmm. Like that's really bad. Like that means that they're landing in FCS situations and IAA situations or just flat out never playing a game. You know, just going down to the JUCO level or whatever. Like it, it, it goes really terribly in many cases for transfers. And I don't think the athletes understand 
that that's the case. Like, because at any given time, there's multiple thousands of these kids that are in the transfer portal, just sitting there, just sitting there without a scholarship. Um, and so I don't think he's going to, you know, drop off the face of the planet and go play in the FCS because he's been better than that. Like his 2019 season, uh, his adjusted yards over expected uh, was incredible. Like if you mix all his passing metrics together for a true freshman, you know, coming in around like the 70th percentile uh, as far as like a passing analytical profile uh, for, you know, all of the college passers in the past five years, like that's really good. Um, but he's dropped off some, uh, has not been as impressive. So I don't think he's even going to land with another power five school. He's going to land somewhere, uh, in the G five, like he'll probably land somewhere and probably have to beat somebody out because at this point, like most teams have at least a one a that they think, Hey, we can go through spring practice with him right now. Like all, all programs pretty much have that guy. And so he's going to have to go somewhere to, uh, maybe a top tier, maybe a top tier G five program, and then have to win a job. So that's that's rough. You thinking like yeah. a like a Memphis or a Coastal, like a teams have had some success. Yeah, it could be even harder than that. I think it could be even harder than that. Definitely. I mean, he wouldn't beat a Grayson McCall out. There's no no well, way. Right. Yeah, you know, yeah, that was a bad example. But, <laughs> no, but like you know, I think like even like a like a Boise State. I don't even think he'd beat out. Uh, Either of the options they have there, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking like through other top tier G5 schools, like it, it's hard to just pencil them in in any in any slot, like in the top tier G5 programs, even even the schools that are moving from G5 to Power Five. Um, I think they're maybe kind of set. So, uh, yeah, I'm not really sure where he lands, uh, but he might not actually land with the program till after spring practice is over, right? And which so makes him even more of a question mark for this fall. So yeah. we liked him at Rotoviz. We ranked him pretty highly after his, impress- his impressive uh, freshman year, but I don't think I can anymore. Like he's right. not like he might, his profile says, Hey, if I have one more really good season, I might be a day two quarterback now. And that's not really sexy. <laughs> you know? No. And, and unfortunately, like, I mean, if we, like you said at the top, we, we always talk fantasy football. Uh, if you have him in a Debbie league, I mean, you're just kind of stuck. Uh, yeah. You're not going to be able to move him for anything. Uh, no. And yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be a long, long ride for him. And uh, you're hoping for uh, the unlikely. This is kind of what we used to see with transfer quarterbacks, right? Like yeah. this was like the, Oh, these are the question marks. It's he's not leaving for good reasons. And he's probably not going to end up in a very secure spot. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, we got another Daniels and JT Daniels, right. uh, who apparently wasn't good enough to beat out a walk-on in and uh, Stetson Bennett, and and that's a little bit mis misrepresentative, you know, calling him a walk-on. He was initially a walk-on, left, came back on scholarship, and then of course led the, the Georgia Bulldogs to a national championship. So losing your job to a guy who actually was one of the more efficient passers last year, and you know, is coming off a national championship. That's there's not really shame in that necessarily. Um, but Daniels is weird because, like, his only really good stretch of efficiency as a passer came in, like, four games uh, in 2020. And, and that's it. Like, we have a very small sample of him being an elite passer. Even in his time at USC, he was not that. Like, he was maybe just below average, actually. Like, so he was a really top-tier pedigree guy, like, five-star kind of talent. Uh, but he has been a liability in terms of adding – uh, or at least any, well, any value with his legs. He does not do that. 
uh, which is basically required in the modern NFL model for quarterbacks. And um, yeah, and then he he hasn't really played <laughs> since 2020. So like now what? I, I think he could be a guy who has to probably go out west west coast and play for uh, Mountain West program at this point. And that's not terrible. He'll probably kill it if he plays in the Mountain West. But I think that's what that's what's in the cards for him. Yeah, and I think the big question for him too is why didn't you play this year? Like you started this season and then there was an injury and then you were back, but were you? No one really knows. And there's yeah. so much question around it that it's it's again like we're like the type of transfer that we're accustomed to from the past where there's a lot of question marks and he has a lot to prove. And uh, uh, this is, I think both Daniels, like I would trade them for, for anything at this point, because it's, it's really hard to see a path for them to make it to the NFL. And, uh, and JT Daniels is someone that, like you said, had, even though like you'd like the rushing numbers that he doesn't have that Jaden does, but he was still a, a guy that we thought was worth taking in Debbie drafts, you know, like late and hoping yeah. that you stumbled across a, a guy who took a team to the national championship and won it. And, you know, but yeah, yeah that was Stetson Bennett. So yeah, yeah. it's going to be, it's going to be a long road for him, like you said. And I, I don't really anticipate it happening. No, uh, I'd love to say that he's going to have an NFL future, but something's going to have to change for that to be the case uh, with JT Daniels anymore. But coming up on the other side, we are going to dive into the next great quarterback to fill the shoes of Matt Corral at Ole Miss in Lane Kiffin's high-flying offense. And the, the guy who's replacing Kenny Pickett at Pitt next year. And then a few other wild cards that could work their way into some NFL draft capital as well. But first, a word from our sponsors. Hey, this is Dave Cabin from the Rotoviz flagship podcast. I wanted to let you know that the podcast you are listening to right now is sponsored by BetterHelp. And I can speak from personal experience and tell you that if you or someone you love is struggling with depression, they're dealing with anxiety, talking to somebody about it can make a huge difference. And that's what BetterHelp does. Within 48 hours of signing on with BetterHelp, they'll match you with a professional therapist. These therapists have a broad range of expertise that might not be available where you live. This is a worldwide service that's easy to use, allows you to get matched with a therapist that you can communicate with, you can send messages, get thoughtful responses. You can even schedule weekly video or phone sessions. You can talk through anything that you need and BetterHelp is committed to facilitating therapeutic matches that can give you all of the benefits of traditional offline therapy. They want you to start living a happier life today and I believe that talk therapy is one of the ways that you can do that. Visit their website, www.betterhelp.com forward slash reviews to hear and read some of their testimonials. Again, you're going to want to visit BetterHelp, Better H-E-L-P, and join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. And we have a special offer for RotoViz listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash Rotoviz. Can't recommend how important and how helpful talk therapy can be. So please check it out. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. 
Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, so we've covered five quarterbacks already. Caleb Williams moving from Oklahoma to USC. Spencer Rattler coming from, again, Oklahoma to the fake USC in South Carolina. And then (laughs) Quinn Ewers uh, transferring from Ohio State after he secured the bag, uh, getting that name, image, likeness money, going back to Texas. And then Jaden Daniels, Arizona State to wherever he's going to land. And JT Daniels from Georgia to, again, we don't know. Uh, But moving on to a few guys that we do know where they're going to be. And it could be fantastic in terms of what it means for their uh, NFL futures. Uh, I think we have to kick things off with Jackson Dart. And we talked about him briefly in the 2024 class episode just a week ago. But again, uh, what do you think it means coming into a scheme that that helps Matt Corral be so efficient and gave him space to, to build a rushing profile showed showed that uh, you know he could build out you, you can really as a quarterback for Lane Kiffin you can build out your profile uh, to be impressive uh, both running and passing quick passes but also some deep shots it really builds out uh, a profile that says hey I can do everything that you want me to at the NFL level like what does that mean to you for Jackson Dark I mean because he did really okay at USC right yeah I mean I I watched I mean, I watch a lot of Pac-12 football. We all know this. Um, and the games where he, like the game where he came in, um, I made, the, like he came in when uh, Slovis got injured and I got all excited. I was like, oh, I get to watch this guy fail. But Jackson Dart looked really, really good in the limited playing time that he got until he got hurt. Um, but but I think this is just an absolutely exciting, This is this is a great move for him. And being a fan of Ole Miss uh, offensive football, uh, I'm excited to see what this means. One of the things I love about him going to this program is, like you said, Lane Kiffin is going to put him in a position to succeed. And he has a track record of being able to do that. Like we saw what, like you said, with Matt Corral. So Jackson Dart, I think, um, is is probably one of the biggest risers uh, for me um, this offseason, just based on change of scheme knowing he's going to be the man and Ole Miss while they're losing a few 
like Jerry Neely and, and others going to the NFL. I do think there's still a, a lot of great talent there, and it's going to be super fun watching him play um, in, in that offense. I mean, I'm excited for it. Yeah, and Jackson Dart was a guy who was a late riser, even the, in the recruiting process. He, he put up a ridiculous final season, uh, you know, being a fantastic 7v7 quarterback as well, uh, just showing off uh, his arm. And, I mean, in his first action, his first game, throws almost 50 passes <laughs> and wins the game. Uh, and then, again, his second game, wins the game, uh, throwing, you know, about half that in terms of pass attempts. But really showed out pretty well in limited action last year. Um, and, and a lot of people were high on him even coming into last season. Uh, and now he goes to even a better situation uh, to feature his skill set. And I think I mentioned this before, but he already had an above average uh, passing profile as a true freshman uh, around the 54th percentile when you combine like completion percentage over expected, adjusted yards over expected, a few other metrics uh, in, in combination give him a pretty fantastic profile uh, for true freshman standards, especially. And so I, I really I can't wait to see what he does in this scheme. Um and if he just makes good decisions, doesn't have a lot of picks, doesn't have a few bad games like Corral did, uh, he could really have like a you know 90th percentile kind of profile after year two, which would immediately inter- inject him into the first round discussion for 2024, which I think he's probably just going to coast to that uh, unless he really screws up. Yeah, no, I, I'm totally with you on that. And he has a perfect name for it. You know, like Dart oh, is yeah, a quarterback. good name for a quarterback. He's throwing darts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's it's appropriate. So yeah, yeah no, this, I I think I think he's like you said. I I think he's someone that you if you can buy him now, buy high while you can because you're gonna have to buy higher if you want him uh, a oh, year yeah. from now. Oh yeah, definitely. But you know his former teammate uh, Keaton Slovis going from USC also uh, to Pitt to join uh, a pretty good offense with some decent playmakers who actually might even be better in terms of options to throw the ball to this year than they were last year. Uh, Kenny Pickett, of course, went off throwing over 40 touchdowns to just like seven picks last year, being a Heisman kind of finalist there, just really impressing. Uh, And probably being the first or second quarterback taken in this year's NFL draft, uh, somehow after four years of mediocrity, just absolutely (laughs) exploding. Um, And Keaton Slovis, the thing is like he actually had – uh, an over 90th percentile kind of true freshman season. Like uh, until uh, Caleb Williams came onto the the, uh, the field, I guess, and just smashed it last year, Slovis had one of the best true freshman passing seasons ever. Like he was a top, at least top three or four uh, that we've seen in the last five, six, seven years uh, from an efficiency standpoint. He didn't add a bunch of value with his legs like Williams did, but man, Slovis looked really good for USC uh, and then uh, he struggled with health and didn't look the same. And, uh, you know, again, struggled with health last year. But if he stays healthy for Pitt and he gets to throw to Jordan Addison and he gets to throw to Konata Mumfield, who is one of the best transfer wide receivers in the country, and we'll get to him probably in one of the weeks here to come. Uh, but he's got a fantastic at least duo, if not trio, of options to throw to at Pitt um, and a system that is all of a sudden – more quarterback friendly. Uh, so do we think Slovis can get back into the first round discussion? Well, I think one of the numbers that kind of, and then, and I think you're the one who, who taught me this. So 
uh, I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but that uh, career rushing yards in the negative really stands out. I actually don't know if that's accurate, but I think it's pretty close. (laughs) Um, That scares me a lot. It scares me a lot from uh, what it means for the NFL. Um, Again, we don't need someone who's, we don't need a quarterback rushing for a thousand yards, but we want them to be able to contribute so that we know they're mobile enough to, you know, get away from these edge rushers in the NFL. And I don't know if he will. So even if he gets the capital because he puts up tons of numbers, Slobos is a guy that I just struggle to believe in um, as a real NFL quarterback, someone who's actually going to be someone you want to roster on a 12 team. And, And if we're not talking about fantasy football, if we're just talking about the player, I think he can be successful at Pitt, but not in the way that's relevant for fantasy or his NFL future. Yeah. What what's bizarre about Slobis is he's not a statue really. Like he he doesn't add a bunch with his legs, but he's really good at maneuvering the pocket. Like he uses his mobility to at least extend plays much better than some statues that have missed out on capital in recent years. Um so if he's in a system that actually asks him to do a little bit more running or says, "Hey, um you don't have to stay in this pocket. Hey, uh, we we can have you move outside and make some plays with your legs. If he has one decent peak rushing season, I think that could fix his profile. But he needs to clear zero rushing yards. Like he really so, does. Like he has to. Otherwise, I don't care. I just but, don't care. But, so you got to figure but it out. But with him, so with him, what you're saying is this change of context would be something worth monitoring because it would. This one, his rushing profile from this upcoming season will have all the weight compared to what he was doing at USC. Like, yeah, you almost throw that other stuff out. Like the NFL, Is that what like, you're saying? Yeah, because we, what we've seen recently and why I, I, I work more with uh, peak production for quarterbacks than I do any other position is the NFL almost throws out, like, whatever you did before your final season, like, in their analysis. Like, I mean, if, we, if they were just grading Joe Burrow on his 2018 season, he'd be a late day three, maybe, kind of quarterback. And then they're yeah. like, nope, he's actually the greatest of all time because he he basically had the best quarterback season ever. And they just they throw out everything before, like pick it this year. Like, yeah, we know he's got smaller hands. He's he's he got two gloves, whatever. He had four years, it was okay. Uh, but last year he was incredible, and that's all we care about at this point. And, and whether that actually makes any sense at all uh, to just throw out everything before the NFL clearly plays that game like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's Slovis in year four. Uh, figures out, hey, I can actually add some with my legs more so than just maneuvering the pocket to extend plays behind a terrible offensive line. Um, that's going to be interesting. And yes, prioritize efficient passers first. Like you still have to be an efficient passer, but we've seen that out of Slovis. The area that he has to change is just adding, you know, some value, not being a liability in 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 terms of just being a sack target over and over and over to where he's not adding anything else with his legs um so that's that's a big deal yeah no i i think that's really good um and i think i think it's helpful to have like to talk about the how you use this is one of the reasons why you use those like those peak years um for specific categories let's move on to a guy that probably most people don't know much about myself included <laughs> and that's um Cameron Ward moving from Incarnate Word to Washington State. Um, he was not highly recruited. 
Um, but he has, I mean, dude's fast. He runs a four or five and he's going to be playing quarterback. Like dude can move. Uh, what do you, what do you think of him? What do you think about him in Washington state? Jaden Delora, of course, is gone. I, I believe he went to Arizona. I don't think we're talking about him today, but um, what are your thoughts on, on Cameron Ward? Yeah. So, so Cameron Ward uh, has, he's got an interesting story. If you listen to other college football podcasts, you may have already heard part of it, but he played for basically just like a really odd, you know, run heavy, like wing T option based, almost run running only kind of uh, high school offense where he would pass very sparingly. Uh, he was just a big athletic body, uh, had basically no college interest and uh, signed with the incarnate word, uh, which if you don't know where that is, that's okay. Cause no one else does. And uh, the, you know, FCS level school, but does pretty good things in 2020 in limited action uh, playing in like six games, um, putting up decent numbers, especially like in his uh, touchdown to interception ratio, I think was like six to one that season. But when he was given a full season this year, absolutely went off uh, through for more, more than 40 touchdowns through the air did have, uh, you know, more picks than you'd like to see, but he is, and he is kind of raw, uh, but he's got a rocket arm like traits play. He's just absurd. Um, now going to Washington state, uh, that that's a little bit of a, a weird uh, schematic fit for him. Um, you know, he's got, uh, you know, some crazy athletic traits that Washington state quarterbacks really haven't had. So maybe he just fills in a role. Maybe he's, in, you know, he throws 40, 50 times a game and adds some value as a, as a rusher and just put, puts up absurd numbers. Uh, his ceiling, especially for like college fantasy football leagues could be insane this year. Like Bailey Zappi was a guy that I was like screaming last year. Hey, this is going to be the quarterback one overall in fantasy this year because of the situation he's going into. And he was drafted, you know, maybe in single digit rounds, but wasn't expected to be the quarterback one. Cameron Ward right. could do that. He, he could mm -hmm. produce, you know, maybe not record setting numbers like Bailey Zappi did at Western Kentucky, but he could put up some pretty silly run numbers when you combine both passing and rushing and find himself in the first round conversation. If he cleans up um, the nuances to his game. Yeah, no, that's good to hear because uh, I really didn't know much about him and Washington state is, I mean, that's a, it's an interesting place for him to land. It's a, also very, it gets very cold there. A lot of snow. Yes. <laughs> and, and the thing is like, I'm not saying war is because he's be moving like, up from Texas, right? Like, yeah, but he's, and he's not going to be like a, yeah. Yeah. He was in high school in, in Texas. Um, like I think West Texas somewhere. I can't remember the name of the, the, the town, but, and, and it's not like he's like going to be a thousand yard rusher or whatever, like, uh, and even like a Malik Willis, cause he didn't put up crazy rushing stats, um, last year, but he has the ability to do yeah. that. Um, so yeah, he's just going to be a lot of fun. He's a big guy, Name big arm, kind of yeah. raw, raw, but could be really, really fun at Wazoo. Um, Kind of a wild card play because we don't really know a whole lot about how, how he'll play against real competition. If that's what we're calling the Pac-12. How uh, dare you? <laughs> sorry, I, I, if I don't, it's not really a podcast. I know, College scan, I know. If, if I don't take multiple jabs at the Pac-12. But yeah. yeah, Cameron Ward, Incarnate Ward to Washington State. Uh, a few other names just before we go here. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, UCF. Excited uh, about this one. Very, yeah, very exciting because... What was weird is basically as soon as uh, Caleb Williams entered the, the portal, Gabriel was like, um, yeah, you know how I was going to go to UCLA or whatever? 
Uh, that's instead, right. Uh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. He was he was going to transfer from UCF to UCLA, and he was like, mm, I think I'm actually going to go play for Oklahoma. And that was odd because that was like before it was even official. Williams was gone. He was like, Nope, I'm betting on me. I'm going to go. And uh, that's cool because Gabriel actually had a really fun profile, even at UCF. It was had a bunch of deep throws. Um, you know, the, the physical side to his game. Like I have questions whether. You know, people are going to have like frame questions, arm strength, sure. I guess, questions, maybe. He does him. have a nice deep ball, though. He does. Like, he can drop it in. Like, yeah. pretty incredible. It's like the Russell Wilson moon balls, you know? Like, yeah, yes, exactly. Like, this is so pretty. Uh, and, and if you look at his uh, pass efficiency at one of the top premier group of high schools moving to the Big 12 here soon, uh, much in part to due to their recent success under Dalen, mm-hmm. uh, Dylan Gabriel, like, He's had three seasons above the 70th percentile uh, pass efficiency mark. Uh, three already. Uh, and yes, it's against lower levels of competition, but man, uh, his profile screams, hey, I'm at least a day two guy, by the way. Uh, yeah. And if he has much success at Oklahoma at all, uh, he could you know, squeak into that late first conversation or early day two conversation, given his mix of tools and analytics uh, behind his pass efficiency. Um, and just his overall skill set. Yeah, I could see. Like, I, I think the path for him is getting on a team and and sitting behind a, a, a starter for a year or two. But I could see him really, uh, if given the chance, have uh, a pretty fun, exciting <laughs> uh, career. I, I'm a huge Dylan Gabriel fan, though. There's no no secret there. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, it's a new situation. You you hinted at that earlier with Brent Venables, and but I mean, he's he's been such a long time successful coordinator. Uh, bringing in some smart people around him. They're not losing everything. They're not restarting right. at Oklahoma. Uh, so they have a lot of pieces there still for him to play around with. So uh, that that could be an interesting spot for Gabriel. Besides the names we've mentioned, there are three wild cards. Grant Wells moving from Marshall to Virginia Tech. Bo Nix <laughs> moving from Auburn to Oregon. And Max Johnson uh, moving from LSU to Texas A&M. They're at least interesting. I, I don't... I don't necessarily like uh, those moves for all of those quarterbacks, but I'll let you uh, vent about Bo Nix, uh, Bo Nix real quick, though. Well, I'll say for Bo Nix, I think it makes a lot of sense. I think for Bo Nix, he's going to a team with a new head coach that's a defensive uh, coordinator uh, from Georgia, uh, Dan Lanning, moving over there. And uh, we just saw the the blueprint of how Oregon can win uh, enough games to be relevant at the end of the year, which I'm an Oregon fan. So I don't, this is not a slight against Oregon, but if you're relevant at the end of the year, that's a winning season. Like that, that's success. We are not hoping or expecting, or we're hoping, we're not expecting to make the playoff. We're hoping for a Pac-12 uh, title shot. And, and that's a good year. And, and I think for a guy like Bo Nix, this is a smart move because the new coach is going to trust the experienced guy and he's going to get a shot and he could be Anthony Brown plus. Uh, as an Oregon fan, I hate this. Because I don't want Anthony Brown plus because that's just going to get us more of the same. I love Ty Thompson. And now he is likely, I'm assuming, not going to be starting and therefore likely, and if I was Ty Thompson, transferring out to a different place where uh, a school wants to take a shot on you. So um, I hate this for Oregon. I hate this for me having to watch uh, (laughs) Bo Nix as my quarterback. Um, I also will say... I would love nothing more than to be wrong. 
Yeah, I, and I hope he. I hope I hope we're wrong about Bo Nix, but I think. I mean, um, you're an Auburn guy, so I mean. <laughs> yeah, you know, you, it's just Nix is so fun sometimes, and he'll make a play. You're like, that was magic. I don't know how you did that. I don't know why that actually happened. How that was possible, and then the very next drive, he'll do something insane that ends the game, and that's the Bo Nix experience. Uh, so if he cleans that up a little bit somehow, maybe <laughs> with uh, Oregon in a new situation, uh, mm-hmm. that's great. And, you know, I think part of it, though, uh, he gets hated on because uh, and I, I am an Auburn fan, so I can call uh, fellow Auburn fans out. That That's a joke of an organization right now. The booster situation, just stay away. Like, get all the cooks out of the kitchen, kitchen and shut up and stop touching stuff because mm-hmm. the whole Brian Harson situation is, is the national embarrassment in college yeah, football. Yeah. Um, if I were a coach, if I were a player, I'd, I wouldn't want to touch Auburn with a 10-foot pole. I wouldn't 100-foot pole. I, you couldn't you – couldn't, you'd have to pay me two or three times uh, what uh, I'd be expecting to go coach there or play there, honestly. <laughs> yeah, because, because – And I'm a fan. Like, I, I, yeah. I don't care. It's like, nope, I don't want to – I don't want to be subjected to that crap. Like, get yeah. away from me. And, and I might, it might take me a while to find a new job after I get fired from, from yeah. there for nonsense. Oh, my uh, gosh. And there's nothing. Uh, there's no cause. There's nothing at all. Like, and, and then they're like somehow retain. Oh, nope, not going to go that direction. It's a joke. So maybe he actually has a better opportunity going to Oregon because Auburn is a dumpster fire and they're only going to get worse. So, yeah. Yeah. I like it for Knicks. I don't like it for Oregon. That's 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 my take. And I don't like it for Ty Thompson. And I don't like it for the receivers. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. Sell your yeah. Troy Franklin stock now. Uh <laughs> I, I think too, like I just think about like some of those. Was it Seth? Seth Williams? Um, yeah. Yep. Who actually broke out super, pretty early and super yeah. talented dude, and then just didn't get the draft capital because just fizzled. Because yeah. of Bo Nix, in my opinion. But <laughs> Basically, anyway. yeah. Seriously, I don't know um, if that's fair or not, but <laughs> uh, it's it's not not fair. But <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but anyway, Grant Wells. Uh, that I actually like this for him, maybe more than anybody else. Uh, going from Marshall to uh, Virginia Tech, uh, fresh situation. Maybe last year I wouldn't have been as excited about anybody going to Virginia Tech because that's where anyone who wants to be offensive goes to die. Uh, but no, no longer. Brent Pry comes in, uh, brings a kind of a fresh look. He's more of a defensive coach. But brings in a guy. Uh, I can't remember his name right now. He was the former uh, uh, co-offensive coordinator at Penn State. He was with the Jags as an assistant. Uh, now going to be really in his first, I guess, full-time play calling situation on the offensive side. Uh, really probably not afraid to, to try some new things with a guy who's got an arm in Grant Wells. And he has a few weapons still there to throw to. Uh, so I think Grant Wells is just going to play some yellow ball this year and have a lot of fun in a new situation where he probably has a really solid shot at, at securing that, that starting job. And, um, you know, he's moving up in terms of the, the level of play. And he's already got a couple of years uh, where he's actually been a good quarterback already. So he's got he's he's in a prime prove it year to be like, hey, guys, I deserve a look at day two capital, even though I played for Marshall. Uh, and, and then I played one year at Virginia Tech. He could be that late riser kind of guy that uh, we're looking at for real draft capital conversation uh, here soon. Yeah, I like that. Uh, Grant Wells is a dude that I used uh, on a few occasions in uh, DFS last year. So uh, pretty good. And the fact that, you know, Braxton Burmeister transferred away 
uh, is, is one less step of competition that he has to face. I'm just kidding. If Burmeister was in his way, um, that's we're a problem. Not talking about, we're not talking about <laughs> anything here. No, yeah. but like you said, like Vatek does have a couple of good receivers. Um, it, it could be fun and, and definitely a name uh, to, to keep on your list. Uh, this last one that, that we're going to talk about here was kind of an odd move. We see Max Johnson moving from LSU to Texas A&M, where, sure, uh, Calzada left, but Haynes King is, is expected to return from injury, and um, it's going to be hard for him to secure a starting spot here. I don't really know what Max was thinking moving to A&M, but... No, um, I mean, like, he, he gets to play with his little brother, I guess, you know, I guess who, who landed with Texas A&M, but, dude, like, a really weird decision because Haynes King is way better athlete than you and a true freshman Connor Wagaman is is probably better as a dual threat and a, has a better arm than you like uh you're, you're, he was going into a situation where he's clearly the, the third best talent at, at quarterback and all he has is veteran experience I guess a little bit um and and a dad who used to play in the NFL who now just makes TikTok videos making basketball shots. Congratulations, Brad Johnson. But <laughs> you um, know, it was like it took me till halfway through the season before I realized that that was his kid. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I didn't it, know that at first. Yeah. But yeah, just a really odd decision on him. Like I feel like I know we've got this one time transfer situation. We could see <laughs> we could see Max Johnson to transfer again. Uh right. and like have to sit out. I like, it, it it's a really just a really weird decision on his part. So I don't know what he was thinking because I, I don't think he's going to be starting for Texas A&M. No, I don't either. And um, like, I know they didn't have great quarterback play last year at times, but that was because of the King injury and uh, mm-hmm. we never really got to see what he could do. So yeah, I think it's going to be tough unless we see him struggle early. I could see them going to max before they go to the true freshman, but um I don't know. It, 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 I, I agree with you. It se- seemed like a weird move. It seemed like almost like he didn't assume he was going to play in the NFL. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, I guess, I mean, they're always, they always believe that they're the best quarterback option, but Jimbo talks about Wagman uh, as like, Hey, we've got the best quarterback in the cycle this year. And, and Wagman is a five-star quarterback. So good luck betting on yourself, Max Johnson. If you do beat him out, you have uh, one of the best skill player sets that Texas A&M has, uh, Texas A&M has ever had coming in. Um, so that could be fun, but I just don't right. think he actually holds the job down. But yeah, that that's 12 quarterbacks, though. 12 transfer quarterbacks that we talked about. How many years have we ever had where there are 12 Jeez. transfers worth talking about going into uh, interesting situations before? Maybe 11, because Max Johnson, I guess we kind of landed where he wasn't. But seriously, I mean, we covered 12 guys going but into situations. But we also brought up Braxton had. Burmeister, so, you know, that counts. Oh, yeah, that counts yeah that's another, <laughs> half, another half quarterback. Uh, but, oh, my gosh. Anyway, that, this has been a lot of fun. Listeners, we will be back talking about more transfers uh, here in the near future. But uh, anything else uh, you had on your mind or, or names you wanted to mention, Stefan, before we do go? Um, um, not, not particularly. I, I think that, um, you know, a guy like Harrison Bailey, for example, uh, leaving Tennessee just, just speaks to what happened last year at Tennessee. And, um, you know, at, at some points in the year, we weren't sure who, who their quarterback would be, but now that's been, um, that's been finalized for us. So I think it's interesting, like some of the other names that we didn't talk about, uh, I think maybe open up or clear up situations or, or speak to situations at other programs where, 
um, you know, they've, they've picked their guy. And I also just want to say for the record, all of these old school dudes that are like, why are these kids transferring? Why don't they have any loyalty to their team? Um, I <laughs> love this new transfer rule, not yep. just because it's fun to talk about and it makes college football a little bit more exciting at times, um, but it's what's right for the players and it's what's right for these teams. Like yep. if you're a university and your coach give up on you, that shouldn't mean that you're stuck in purgatory, you know, like, no. like, like talking about Auburn and, you know, like I would want to get out of there too, you know? So yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad we get to have this discussion because I think it's uh, it's the right move. Just like, I think both of us agree that the whole NIL stuff is a right move. Like, yeah. Yes, it's All complicated. Your- it's tricky. We don't know what, how it's going to play out, but I think it's, I think it's, it's for the best. Oh yeah, like all the people, like all and primarily old people that yes. are complaining that uh, you know name, image, likeness, and the transfer portal. Well, it's ruining ruining college football. How many other things have have people over the years said? Oh, it's ruining college. Nothing is ruining college football. Like the right. pie is getting bigger. The money is 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 nonstop in, in terms of uh, getting more and more and more every single year. Uh, and and it's finally finally that these players are fine are actually going to get some compensation above just the scholarship that, you know, that, that, that monetary value has only changed in terms of how much, uh, you know, tuition has increased, but the value right. of the degrees has perhaps been diminished Decreased. over the years. Absolutely. So like, and, and plus I mean, half these kids are getting, you know, shoved into, you know, just some crap degree that no one actually cares about and just mm-hmm. uh, getting all their stuff handed to them for free. And it's, it's a degree that doesn't even matter. Like that's not all the case, like, all the cases, but many, many cases that that's what's right. happening. And so, like, just come on. Nothing is ruining college football right now. Like they'll, they'll, get, they'll get things. It needs to change. There needs to be some kind of regulation with the name, image, likeness stuff. And, and you know, they'll, they'll get some windows for when players and can transfer or whatever. There'll, there'll be a kind of a contractual change to how that works. Um, but, man, uh, it's, it's never been better. The game has never been better uh, for players, and I love it. So if you're that yep. uh, old person uh, or wrong person or both <laughs> uh, complaining about name image likeness in the transfer portal ruining the game, uh, I don't know what to tell you. You're just wrong. Right. <laughs> you'll, you'll find no comfort here. No, none <laughs> yeah. whatsoever. Bye. <laughs> that's right. Oh, that's, that's good. I'm excited. Um, next week we're going to get into what do you want to do next? Running backs or wide receivers? What are you feeling? I think we uh, will decide that off air and let our listeners look forward to whichever comes yes. their way. We're not going to spend it. an entire episode on tight ends. We might throw them in <laughs> with with wide receivers. Sorry, I mean, Stoddard, Sorry, not going to do it. Deserves some I, time, but <laughs> yeah, not and not an hour or forty five minutes or whatever. No, nope, not doing it. But we'll, we'll throw those in there some too. But awesome. Yeah, be, be looking for some more transfer portal stuff. Uh, here in the near future. But until next time, you can find Stefan at Stefan Leco on Twitter. And you can find me, Travis May, on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M. If you want to reach out to us personally, if you want to leave a question in your rate and review section of wherever you listen to podcasts, you can do that. Uh, you can, I guess, rate the podcast in more places than ever now uh, with a few other places like even like Spotify where you can actually add a, like a star review now. So please do that. It does help the show. Uh, and but uh, yeah, reach out to us anytime. Uh, we, we'd glad to get your favorite questions on the show here soon. But uh, you guys take care and look forward to uh, many more episodes of the College to Kenton podcast here in the future. Nice.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.